Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Ellie Dank and Barty Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. <laughs> yeah, this is a age-old thing here in mm. Singapore, right? Good education equals good grades equals good job equals good status. Mm, and uh, great, great success. However, and, but it all starts with the education part, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly. But uh, not all of us fit that cookie-cutter yeah, mold, yeah. right? Especially nowadays where people are also engaging in other interests. Mm. But our next guest has managed to do that in spite of the fact that he may not have fit the mould mm. he has made himself a success specifically in the e-sports scene yeah so it's quite interesting right so he faced a number of hurdles to become an entrepreneur and he's managed to hit over 1 million sing dollars in revenue within a year for Emerge Esports how did he do it <laughs> mm. And, you know, the life experiences, how did that push him? On the line with us this morning is Roy Keck, who is the CEO and co-founder of Emerge Esports. Roy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me on. Now, Roy, before we talk about Emerge Esports, I want to know about how you got there. We just talked about how you did not fit the cookie cutter mould as you were growing up, but you have still managed to make a great success of yourself. We're seeing more and more examples these days and whenever we have them on the line, I like to know the backstory. So tell me how you moved from being what some people called a paikia to the success that you are today. <laughs> I think it's always about uh, perseverance and resilience most of the time because, I mean, back in the days, definitely uh, I wasn't really, like what you mentioned, the cookie cutter, right? I mean, I wasn't really following the standard lifetime that everyone's doing. Mainly it's because I've been hanging out with a lot of bad influence, I'll say, and uh, really having a lot of adversity throughout, be it in, you know, old levels during my secondary school days or even back in the diploma in my polytechnic days, uh, I wasn't really the best student so far. Mm. Uh, I was having a lot of issues with schools and thereafter, I think when it's back to work, there's a lot of issues as well when I came out and started working. So I think it's always about perseverance, resilience and always having that positive attitude and mindset definitely helps me get throughout. Right, you and I say my public gaining record <laughs> <laughs> long and glorious. What was the wake up call for you? I think the wake up call was definitely my parents, right? And they have always been there for me, being my support system and all. And of course being young and um, not just to be blaming it but young and dangerous vibes back then was that <laughs> they were was always too. not <laughs> Yeah. But it was always being mischievous, right? I didn't really keep their to their concern at that point of time. But always the, I think the wake up call was back then when I was coming up from the national service okay. and uh, I didn't really my career wasn't very great and my study wasn't very great so I was, I wanted to sign on at a point of time but I, I broke my leg while playing basketball for the Navy so the wake up call was then I couldn't sign on and I wasn't really having a very good grade so my parents was like if you're not going to study well right now or and push on and what are you going to do with life mm. right. and then my parents was getting old and my father was retiring very soon so I, I started to feel that sense of urgency that you know I really need to start my life around yeah so what steps did you take at that point to do this to turn your life around i think like all um youth when they were still young they're most probably very lost so i think it was really trying out different types of career industry so i started off working uh, you know in the marketing and event sector trying to find what's my passion what's in it for me and i'm very thankful that you know marketing is definitely something that is of very huge interest to me 
So I started picking up you know, different type of marketing, right? Digital marketing, sponsorships, and events, and it started off. I tried to narrow down the verticals that is of my interest. I think that truly and greatly helped me a lot. Mm. Right, I promise you, we will talk about your business, but how, how did all of this lead to you wanting to get into the esports industry? So I think that's a great question because back then when I was younger, I was an avid gamer, right? <laughs> um, so I was playing like tons of games, like really a few hours. I was playing more games than I was studying, to be very honest. Like you name it, I played. So I was trying to turn professional as well because I mean, I've been watching a lot of esports tournaments back in the days as well. Back then, Dora 2 was huge uh, already, mm-hmm. even though now it's much larger. So I, I did try to go professional, but I'm afraid that, I mean, I didn't have it in me back then. And streaming wasn't an alternative career back then as well. It mm. wasn't that popular at that point of time. So I eventually had to give up my dreams. So when the opportunity arises, when I was staying in the marketing scene, I realized that, you know, this is something, is huge, you know, esports is up and coming. And with some of the connections that we have and some like-minded individuals as my partners, I feel that, you know, this is something and time that, you know, rekindle my passions for it. Mm. I understand it started off as a Prata stall conversation. So because <laughs> yeah. it's almost breakfast time for us, I was wondering <laughs> what kind of Prata were you having? Was it with sugar? I was know. it curry? <laughs> okay, but you, we don't have to go into all of that. But uh, tell us more about the challenges that you faced as you were starting out. Because clearly those were earlier days, right? I mean, today it's way more developed. If one were to start an esports establishment today, it would mm-hmm. be quite different from when you started out. So talk to us about that process. I think as all startups, right, not just in esports, the starting off leap of faith is definitely tough, right? Finding like-minded partners is, of course, one, one very big issue as well. However, I'm thankful that I've managed to find them. I think not just partners, but finding like-minded team members to join you, the initial guys who were willing to take the leap of faith is something that is very tough to find. Thankfully, we managed to, you know, source quite a few guys and having not just team members, really, but, you know, the talents and teams, esports teams, they are willing to join us, willing to work with us, you know, having that faith and trust as we started off is very important because we started off with actually really nothing, right? We do not even have a website. We did a guerrilla marketing launch. We don't even have a social media. So I think it's really having that like-minded individuals and having that trust and faith really, you know, go a long run. Mm. It's audition time because uh, for about 20 years, I've been trying to become a professional gamer. I haven't given up yet. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about Emerge Sports. It's a professional gaming and esports talent management company. How does it work? What's the business model? And what gaps are you looking at? I think right now, first off, when we started off, is to definitely give a voice to those that have not been uh, really that into the esports scene. For example, those who have been in the streamers, they are are streamers themselves. Mm. It may not be particularly like fantastic in a game to be a professional esports athlete at a point of time where back then, you know, it's either you are an esports team guy or you are not, right? Those streamers and all, they weren't really part of that gaming ecosystem per se. I mean, of course, things have gotten way better since then. Right? More and more teams are picking up streamers and all, but back then there wasn't any. So we feel that there's this big market gap. And for streamers, they actually draw a huge crop, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a huge traffic and it's really a very, very good you know, marketing avenue, advertising avenue for brands. Mm. And being a marketing guy myself, uh, and someone who started off with marketing, this is something that I feel is a big opportunity. And that's where we start to connect the talents and the brands. We start off create, creating campaigns and all, and it really started off from there. And I think right now we are delving more into the tech scene as well of, of esports, you know, coming out with analytics programs that we are trying to do it in-house. 
to bring it to the brands as well as teams and lastly into the NFT style of things because it's huge right now. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. NFT is definitely huge. In fact, they made some dictionaries word of the year, yeah, <laughs> NFT. So <laughs> yes. uh, before we talk more about marketing brands and the growth of the business, there was something mm-hmm. that I saw on your website that really struck me. It says there that the team aspires to break the stigma that the esports yeah. industry faces today. Tell us more about this stigma. I think back then, I mean, coming from an Asian family background, ah, I think most, yeah, most of us are, you know, you have to go for the traditional career, right? Be an accountant, be a doctor, a lawyer and stuff. And me being, you know, me, uh, started off back then, I wasn't really going to a traditional career. So I realized that there are, actually, when I was in the gaming industry, we were doing like surveys and all, we realized that a lot of them uh, face tremendous pressure from not only just their parents, but their peers and even their relatives that, you know, they have to find the career that, is of their choosing, right? So as in the template, right? Template mm. career. So they, they can't really pursue their passion. And back then, I felt a bit of having to, you know, give up being a professional esports player. So I do not want them to feel that again. So this is why we wanted to change that stigma. And when we speak to our talents, most of them are facing that issue as well. Still so today. So of course, these things not change overnight. Right. Yeah. So to, today, the stigma still exists. I mean, today is definitely much better. We definitely see, you know, and, you know, parents bring much more acceptance because when we work with the talent themselves, we often speak to their parents and their loved ones when they came down for the photo shoot or came down for events with them. So we try to have a conversation and understand what's their thought on this. And as we see the scene grow, you know, World Championship currently M3 is in Singapore, yeah. parents start to see that, you know, this is much more a viable option, right? Yeah. I mean, what's your pitch to them at, at this point? I mean, uh, parents, loved ones, wives, I'll need your advice. How do you show them that there is longevity, especially when, you know, esports is going to play a huge part in the Olympics. It's already being experimented with at the Asian Games. The Olympics is just is next. How do you, what, what is your pitch to these parents? I think most of the time, I won't really call it a pitch, right? Most of the time, I'll like share with them that, you know, we want their, their loved one or their children to be, you know, pursuing their career that, of their choice, of their passion. Right? Because this okay. is something like, as the saying goes, right, if you love the work that you do, you don't have to go to work every day. Mm. Right? Mm. This is loving what you do, having that passion, having uh, something that they're willing to strive for. Because, and I told them that you do not want your kids to live, live in regrets, right? Ten years down the road, they look back and they see themselves, you know, what if I have done that? Could I have, could I have made it? But is there a, is there a lifespan to, to being an esports gamer? Yeah, I think as a professional athlete, there's definitely a lifespan. But I mean, we definitely see with the esports ecosystem growing and industry growing itself, there's a lot of ways they can transition from being just a player. They can go to being a streamer, a coach, an analyst, or even an esports manager. There are so much more things that they can actually yeah, involve. You're now. saying I'm too old. Huh? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you can transition halfway down the value chain. No. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are possibilities, right, Roy? Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of possibilities right now in the market with like esports production, even agency like our. I guess for parents, the most reassuring thing would be that my child will be able to make a living yes. from this. Yes, yeah, yes. For sure. So for sure. there is money in it, not to worry. Not everyone will be a millionaire out of it, but certainly a decent living out of it. Let's talk about brands because that's something you mentioned as a very big thing. And mm. clearly they are the ones who power the industry in a big way. I understand there are still some challenges and difficulties for brands when it comes to defining market strate- marketing strategies in the esports world. Tell us more about these and how they can be fixed. I think right now, most brands, there are definitely increasing brands coming into esports, but our initial challenge and difficulties is about educating them about you know, esports marketing, esports advertising. Right? Why is it so huge? Why is it much 
better than other advertising channels or I would say a good alternative um, instead of much better, a good alternative of other advertising channels. Because due to the pandemic, I think definitely there's a growth because our home ads at a point of time when it started off was definitely scaling down because people do not go out and much of more of them are turning to gaming as a hobby. Mm. So when we share it with the brands, they definitely see it that way as well. And definitely it's an increase in numbers and increase in tournaments being held in Singapore. Yeah. And so yeah. we can definitely see much more non-endemic brands coming in, even FMB brands, fashion, finance, that are coming as well. Mm. Uh, Roy, I've got a tricky question for you, if you don't mind. With regard to brands, yeah. gamers, how difficult or how sensitive is this area of governance and social ethics where you're on esports, where that is concerned? Is this something that we need to pay attention to moving forward? I think there isn't really that big of an issue right now because, I mean, at least in Singapore, we are gearing away from that, that perspective of like gaming is like gaming addiction and stuff, right? Because yeah, right now, okay. I think it's more of a lifestyle and all. And okay. as we can see, uh, the government are being much more supportive. So mm. I, I do not really see much of an issue with that. Okay. okay. As we move into the era of metaverses, how is esports expected to adapt and actually leverage on such things? I think metaverses is definitely one of the key components, right? I think uh, which the Ready Player One movie being such a huge hit at the point yeah, of time. Yeah. Uh, we can see that it's very correlated between not just gaming but in the entertainment industry as well. Yeah. Which is why we can see recently Facebook has been carrying towards that as well. And Facebook gaming has been very, very big recently with a lot of uh, partnership with a lot of huge world tournaments. So I do believe that gaming will play a very integral role because of a lot of the skins, limited editions, uh, items and stuff that can be transitioning into NFTs. And with the recent play-to-earn games as well, right, we, it provides another alternative for gamers to you know generate money. So I do see that you know NFTs and gaming are going to be a very big hit into the metaverse as well. Mm, but I, I mean, and, and again, back to my last question, while you cannot deny that this is going to be the next big thing, for sure there are going to be a lot of discussions on, on the governance and regulation aspect of it just to make sure that you know it's fair in that sense I think for governance and regulation definitely there's a need right because we do not want people to turn um, play to earn games or the NFTs yeah. into you know, money laundering yeah, or you know yeah. it was match, match fixing so I think yeah. governance and regulation is definitely a very very important you think a very important role into this but I think it also provides a lot of faith to the players themselves because mm. with governance and regulations it means that you know things are getting popular right for the yes, governance to yes. step in so I think it's good news uh, and it's definitely something that we should look forward to. For sure. Mm. You recently celebrated your first anniversary. You've earned yeah. over a million dollars in revenue within a year. How did you manage to do this in what can still be considered a niche market? I mean, especially in the last year. I think definitely one of the main reasons is, of course, a brand's trust, right, which we definitely value them a lot, as well as the partners that we're working with. And, of course, brands are looking at alternatives mm. in advertising during this pandemic space. Mm. I think that's one of the key factors uh, for our growth as well. And being a lean startup, our revenue generating is very important. So we are in a like-minded individuals in our team are pushing a lot on that aspect as well and working with various parties in the Southeast Asian markets and Southeast Asian scene is one of the main reasons why we have much more advertising revenue. That's because with more advertising inventories, we will definitely have much more revenue as well. And of course, it doesn't hurt with the esports scene <laughs> always growing and ever growing. Yeah, so yeah. Roy, final question for you. Then, um, you know, on the back of all this fantastic work that you've done, you are also a mentor for youths. I mean, how do you help youths find their true calling? 
I think for me right now, I think one few examples that I've been working with a few organizations, uh, but about IT, IT Centrals, I'm working with the Singapore Indian Development Association as well, and on some causes, and of course with Skip. So what do I help them and what do I share with them is my you know, entrepreneurship journey, mm. uh, the way I transition, because right now, most of them are definitely not in the youth that I'm helping are not uh, the going for the template career of, yeah. that we have been speaking about earlier. So I did share with them my journey and told them that, you know, I was very lost in life when I, back in my early days as well, you know, to most, similar to most of them there in the causes. And I told them that as long as you persevere, you, you know, try out things that you're good at, you know, go out with your passions, look at different alternatives, different type of industries. One day you definitely find something that's of your true calling. So it's more of like, you know, SVPD, right? To showcase to them that, you know, you can definitely, make, you can definitely, you know, do something out of it. Yeah, certainly. Uh, never giving up, I think, is the key factor here. And surely Elliot will be able to benefit will, from okay. that as well. Don't give up. Huh? I beat Liverpool 7-0 on FIFA 22 last night. I got it. I can. Congratulations. <laughs> and I wish you all the best, Elliot. And uh, thank you so much, Roy, for inspiring, re-inspiring at least one of us today, <laughs> if not both of us. Roy Cake, CEO and co founder of Emerge Esports. Uh, you have a great day, yeah, Roy? Yep. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.